0: i
1: Welcome to a brand new episode of Third Degree Burn. I am Tim Elliott, and with me, as always, I have the burn crew. I have Brian Hughes. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Is that your signature Coke Pop?
2: It's a Mountain Dew, <laughs> except no substitutes.
3: Miller time.
1: Uh, Kurt, <laughs> we have Kurt Greenfield. Good morning, guys. I have John Hyatt. Good morning, drinking and...
4: milk. It's good for you.
1: <laughs> Last but not least, we have... We have Dave Thompson so what are we doing this time guys well well I'll, I'll Brian's got the heavy lifting but I'll introduce what we're doing we gonna we yep. are going to cover uh, we're going back to the FF we're gonna do fantastic Four annual number 17
2: oh uh, I love this one I really love this one
1: and we covered this slight when I think this was our when we did our top uh, five burn stories I think this is either my or yours. We covered this. Yeah, it,
2: it was it was in the conversation. Um, and, and, and you know, this was, this was in a a transition period for Byrne. Uh, I think at this point, and I didn't even look at what other books he was doing at the time. But uh, wasn't this at the point, and I'll, I'll pull that up here while I'm talking. But it was uh, during the period, I think, where he had taken on Alpha Flight and uh, he, it looks like he started going into what I referred to as his uh, uh, pencil inking shorthand. And it, it, the way that, that it's always been apparent to me is that the lines seem to be, you know, get a little thicker. I didn't mind it that much, uh, but th- th- this is seemed to be the period where some people started to complain about Burns pencils um, on the books.
1: I think he just when he does his own, it's just a little heavy-handed. It's not, it's it doesn't the, it doesn't detract the thing from the is, art.
2: Is if you look at his work from you know two thirty-two on up till about two fifty, yeah, about two fifty. Uh, well, maybe a little bit before that, he he was more aping Terry Austin in the way he did inks than in the later books. So he started to transition later as he started taking on other responsibilities. Uh, it, cause you're like, if you look at Terra in a tiny town, the inks that he does there are so different from the way that they're being done here.
1: Well, if he's doing, if he's doing kind of basic breakdowns with pencil and he's, and he's basically drawing the detailed art with, uh, when he's inking it, that may explain why it's a little heavier on the inks than just him tracing over his type pencils.
2: Mm-hmm. And let me see here. This was what, uh, and I'm trying to find it here. When he, when this was, came out, it was... Uh,
1: it's 83, isn't it? Is it?
2: It's, uh... Yeah, it's 83. I'm just trying to find the specific month that it came out. Uh, the actual story takes place between pages 18 and 19 of Fantastic Four 257. And that's how they're able to explain Reed um, being around... Uh, Because when the book came out, Reed had already been uh, in in the series. He'd already been kidnapped.
1: Yeah.
2: And um, let's see. Yeah, because they've got this listed as August of 83. And uh, let's see. August of 83 had Alpha Flight number one. So right there, smack dab on. Okay. Okay. And then Fantastic Four 257, which we're talking about there. And, of course, Ohatmu, the thing number two. And that's everything that they say he's covered then. And, uh, I mean, I, I think that it's funny that I'd sit there and take this one to, to denote the change in Burns style. But we saw this both in Alpha Flight and here, that his that his line got thicker. And, like I said, I think it, 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 we can attribute it to the inking shorthand where he's not penciling as much and he's filling in most of the detail in the the inking lines and uh i, I mean again i don't mind it here i actually like it because it, it it to me frames this period of the fantastic four really really well and um you know it
1: it just it's gorgeous
2: but again that's me and other people have different opinions so uh I'll let that go. Yeah,
1: I mean, I I tend to just and it's it's unfair, I think, but I tend to just uh, kind of judge everything against his his X Men run with Austin, where everything was so crisp and clean and and uh, just I mean, I think that's the pinnacle of his artwork. But and I would obviously say the Superman books. So you, anything gets well, I mean, kind of OMAC.
3: his Hallmark look better from last week?
2: Well, I, I, I mean, this. It it definitely looked different. It definitely had different <clears throat> different uh, style to it. Of course, with him doing just uh, the figure inks, and then Keith Williams doing the background inks, you know, it it gave it a different look, and it definitely made a small transition from what it looked like with Bob Wyachek.
1: Yeah, there was a but, more sketch a little more of a sketchy feel with the Hulk books we covered last week than than with this. This just seems a little. It's almost like there's just a little bit of too much detail. Uh, and some of the stuff, and especially when he's doing like some of the dark coats and some of the clothing that can get just looks a little,
2: little I, it almost looks to me like he did these on smaller pages
1: and they blew him up, you know? Yeah,
2: because even it's, like, yeah, it,
1: it's, it's yeah. not. Here's the thing, you know, we can we quibble about this yeah. kind of stuff, it's not bad art at all, no, there's nothing not bad all. about it at all, it's just different, it. and it's right. just, you know.
2: All right. So let me go ahead and give you guys the details and the synopsis, and then we can dig right into this because it's a meal. Of course, it's fantastic Four annual number 17 cover date, 1983 on sale, May 31st, 1983. Uh, but we saw the other things hit August, but, uh, the cover price was a dollar. It had a 48 page count with 38 pages of story. So nearly double sized, uh, Story and Art by John Byrne. Letterer was James Novak. Colorist was Glennis Wine. And editor was Carl Potts. Editor-in-chief, of course, Jim Shooter. This was reprinted in the Fantastic Four Visionaries, Volume 3, Trade Paperback. And uh, I'm not sure it's been reprinted in other places as well. But that's the only place I saw here. The title is Legacy. <clears throat> and here is our synopsis. Now this, again, like I said, takes place... Uh, between pages 18 and 19 of Fantastic Four 257. While driving out to a gig with her band, The Rolling Dead, Sharon Selk's car breaks down on a stretch of country road in the town of King's Crossing. Cursing her roommate, Julie Angel, for loaning her the vehicle, Selk gives up and tries to flag down a passing truck, but the driver ignores her and keeps on going. Deciding to hoof it on foot into town, She comes across a chain-link fence surrounding the local farm and decides to go over it in order to cut across the field. Along the way, she spots some strange crops growing in the the yard. Curious, she sees that they're being watered with, of all things, milk. Disgusted at the taste of the dairy product and concerned about her allergies, Sharon decides to continue on, not noticing the the roots are beginning to rise out of the ground. She runs headlong into a massive farmhand who demands to know what she's doing beyond the fence. Selleck explains herself, but the farmhand turns her over to his employer, a man named Emmett. Emmett also hears her story and is almost convinced she's not some kind of spy, but still decides to take her into town to Chet Rollins, the town sheriff. At the local police station, she explains her story yet again when the sheriff tells her that he will arrange to have her car fixed and have her on her way the next day. Sharon is delighted she does not want to spend any more time in this town than she has to. She's sent over to the Lord's Hotel across the street where she'll be set up with a room for the night. As she leaves, Chet assures Emmett that she will not be leaving alive and puts a call into to Barney White at the hotel. Barney finishes his phone call just as Sharon enters the hotel and she is soon given a room. With time to kill, she decides to check out the town. She walks through King's Crossing. She is more than a little disturbed with how nobody seems to notice her at all. As she passes a young boy, she's unaware that he suddenly shapeshifts into a dog and begins to follow her. Getting hungry, Sharon pops into a nearby cafe. She finds most of the items are not on the menu except eggs, toast, and milk. After her disappointing meal, she decides to go to her local garage and check on her car. There, she is told by the mechanic that her car can be fixed tomorrow when he can get the missing part uh, that he needs to be that needs to be replaced that night as she tries to sleep sharon becomes violently ill as though she'd been drinking milk following morning sharon goes to the garage to find its clothes with a sign informing people that the owner had gone fishing furious she pays a visit to the sheriff who reminds her to keep a civil tongue and be patient back out on the street sharon goes to the back of the, goes back to the diner for another unsatisfying meal of eggs and another night of sickness Waking up from the horrible nightmare, Sharon decides to call Julie for help. As Sharon begins trying to explain to her roommate what's happened, the phone con- connection dies before Sharon can tell her what town she's in. Having had enough of the strange town, Sharon decides to slip out for the night, slip out into the night. At, at first the town is deserted, but as she reaches the farmland, she soon, soon discovers the locals following after her, and she makes a run for it. Hit by more illness, Sharon quickly gets cover in a drainage pipe and continues on her way. Down the road, she comes across a phone booth and puts in a frantic call to the Fantastic Four. As she tries to get hold of the Human Torch, the FF's robotic receptionist, Roberta, tells her that Johnny Storm is not in. Before she can leave a, com- a complete message, Sharon's attacked by the plants that have sprouted around her out of the ground, leaving the phone off the hook. Seven hours later, Johnny's flying over New York City Happy to hear that his nephew Franklin and Alicia Masters are expected to make a full recovery and that the Fantastic Four are going to be remaining together. He decides to pay a visit to Julie Angel, who tells him of the strange phone call she's gotten from Sharon earlier and her concerns that something might be wrong. Deciding to look into it further, Johnny takes Julie to the Baxter building to use the Fantastic Four's resources to try and track Miss down. En route, they spot the Fantastic Flare, and arrive to find Reed and Sue trying to summon Johnny and Ben. Couple playback Sharon's recording from earlier and agreed to try to find out what happened. Using Reed's instruments, they are able to trace the call back to King's Crossing, a town that Reed finds very familiar. They suddenly remember that this is where they placed the scrolls that they turned into cows after they were defeated in their first battle. Reed also mentions how he believed that they were killed in the Cree Scroll War. With a mystery on their hands, the Fantastic Four go to King's Crossing incognito to investigate what was going on there. Arriving in the moving van, Reed and Johnny try to get a room at the Lord's Hotel, pretending to be doing a long-haul move. At first, Barney refuses to put them up, but Sheriff Rollins enters and tells Barney to put them up in a special room. Inside the room, Sue turns turns visible. Having staked out the hotel, she has located the room where Sharon's being held. While Reed begins using scanning equipment he developed after their second encounter with the Super scroll, he sends Johnny out to find Sharon. While the trio work in the motel, the thing leaves the U-Haul truck uh, and begins looking around. He eventually arrives at the milk processing plant and forces his way in. Inside, he finds a very strange operation, milk being processed and placed in jugs, and massive processing units that seem to refill themselves almost magically. However, before he can slip away, Ben accidentally causes the floor to creak, alerting the plant workers to their presence, to his presence. To his surprise, the apparently normal looking humans begin to change into change shape into horrifying monsters. Back at the hotel, Johnny finds a room where they're keeping Sharon prisoner and using his flame powers to melt through the lock. There he finds her tied to the bed where the locals have been trying to force her to uh, force feed her milk. He frees the girl and brings her back to their room where Reed and Sue explain what's going on. They recall how during their early days of the Fantastic Four, the team were framed for a series of attacks that were really carried out by a quartet of scrolls. At the end of their battle with their imposters, Reed hypnotized three of them into thinking they were cows and left them in King's Crossing to live seemingly inconspicuous lives as cattle. Reed goes on to explain that the milk from the cows was really scroll DNA which is incredibly invasive in that by ingesting it, the locals at King Crossing have begun mutating into strange scrawl hybrids, along with everything else that had been exposed to the milk. Suddenly, some vines come crashing through the window and pulls Reed outside, while some of the mutated locals come crashing through the hotel room door. While the thing subdues the farmers at the milk processing plant, the rest of the Fantastic Four also quickly defeat their attackers as well. Having suspected this exact scenario, Reed is able to get a special spray out of the U-Haul and uses it on the infected plants. The chemical compound removes all traces of scroll DNA and causes the plants to return to normal. He then uses it on the locals that were attacking the team, causing them to return to normal as well. Having proven his compound works, Reed begins spraying the entire town and sends Johnny out to destroy the crops and milk just to be safe. In the aftermath of the purge, Reed and the sheriff talk about the horrible events that happened there, where the sheriff explains that they lost a few years of, of their lives. Reed explains that due to the scroll DNA in their bodies, their metabolisms have slowed and, the virtu- and they virtually did not age while under the thrall of the invasive DNA. Also, their bodies were much healthier. Conceding that nothing much changes in the town, the sheriff thanks the Fantastic Four for their help. As the teen returns home, Reed muses of the danger that could have happened if invasive scroll DNA spread out to uh, spread enough to get out of the insular factory and the catastrophe it could create, unaware that a shipment of scrawl milk is being delivered to the nearby Camp Merlot, U.S. Army Depot. The end
1: first dance and who danced with me except jeffrey kaiser the biggest nerd cheer up you're drinking milk and this is you in a few years not with this brace face and gross hair well you're growing fast and milk can help you get a great smile and gorgeous hair but my body the only difference between me and the guys is this dress
4: hey you can see we turned out just fine who's that that's jeffrey kaiser milk it does a body good
3: Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah.
2: Now I pulled that from uh, the Marvel Wiki, and uh, it, I, it it did a, a pretty good job, I think, of telling the story that uh, that happened there. But uh, it, it, I mean, it it just didn't give enough dun 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 to that last bit there. But also, <laughs> the the finale bit there were well, not the finale, but the data dump at the end, uh, when Reed is talking to the sheriff. It's kind of a, a, a mixed happy ending for the people. Right. But it, it also gave another bit of information I found interesting. What it states there is that, you know, Fantastic, Fantastic Four was the first Marvel Universe book, basically, that that gave us, you know, the Marvel characters we know and love. And since their battles with the scrolls were in issue two, it basically says that whatever's happening now is six years later than the beginning of the Marvel Universe, So 1983 is six years later than 1962.
1: Well, what I'd read when I was kind of doing a little research on this, that I guess the standing rule was there was a seven-year timeline that was a slight, the sliding, so that any, no matter what time was contemporary, the events of the original FF was seven years back. And I think now they've expanded to 10 years. Of course, now who knows? It's all screwed up. But I guess (laughs) it was about 10 years between FF1 and whenever, you know, whatever's going on you were currently reading, so...
2: Did any of you read this off the racks?
0: I sure did. I it was down. spectacular. And yeah. completely unexpected when it came out. Recognize the cover is in that black frame. All yeah. the annuals that year came out with the black frame. There was yeah, no that. hint of what this story was going to be.
2: That's that's actually interesting because, you know, for the longest time always the covers were, you know, demonstrative of what was going on inside the book. And now all the covers are more like this, where they're, you know, just uh, some artist representation of whatever the book is, whatever the characters are. You know, well, it's more like uh, a commission. It's like then, well, it's then, like a
1: pinup. Yeah, that's all. All yeah. covers are that way now. It's it, there's yeah. nothing to do with what's the story inside.
0: This is also getting close to the anniversary, the uh, 25th anniversary of Marvel's um, Silver Age when they did frame covers with individual portraits, you know, the yeah. great covers I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, all the, yeah, all the
1: all the characters are on the outside edge. So I think they're they're
0: experimenting, and uh, I, I don't know. I really, really like this story. I remember exactly where I was when I read it and uh, how my life was in transition and that I didn't know which direction I was going. And so I lost myself in this story and thought, this is great and then having Alpha Flight on the heels of that, it just doesn't get any better.
2: I, um, I remember this specifically because I did not, you know, it's like and I was sitting there thinking about my, my history at the Fantastic Four because while I was a huge Burn fan, I wasn't picking up Fantastic Four when it came out. And I couldn't tell you why or why not. But I remember in the summer of 1987, I'd just gotten back from uh, spending several months over in Turkey. Uh, and I, you know, basically had uh, one or two weeks before, uh, college started back up and, um, I just, you know, had all this free time cause I didn't have, I didn't have to work just yet. I was going to go back to work later. Uh, and so I was going to the local comic shop, uh, heroes workshop is what it was called virtually every day and picking, and I was just at that point just collecting everything burned that i could find and i'd gotten a really good checklist and so i would go into the back issue bins and just you know do all that and so i got all of burns run in fantastic four during that summer um and i remember ronnie the guy that runs the shop he's like how do you know which issues burns done he he, because he said I just would always go out there and grab everything and come up there just like I knew exactly what I was looking for, but and this one of course was um was just really cool. And of course, you know, it's smack dab in that in the middle of that run, uh, just a a great time for Burns work.
3: That's how I read this book too. As I pulled it out of a back issue bin. You know, yeah, uh, same with me. 50, 50 and, cents. You
1: know? Yeah, <laughs> when I was I, I came on that fifth. Uh, I think right after uh, Secret Wars, and then I just started collecting all the back issues, and this was just one of the ones that I had grabbed. And but uh, I, I've always liked it because it's very, it's very Twilight Zone or yes, this, or X Files, which this predates X Files. Uh, I mean, the the, the the stranger coming into a small town and there's something weird going on. That's a trope that's been around forever. But this is this is almost a, this is a horror story, really. This is. More horror than science fiction, I think. Um, and I'll like get into the body snatchers. Uh, that exactly, I was thinking that exactly, especially with the thing at the yeah. end when they're all trying to get the the milk. But we'll get into that. And we can talk later, but about.
0: I'm the, I'm the curious as to Bitcoin. you know, it's a cross, I, it's a cross between the X Files, between the Twilight Zone and the Children of the Corn. Which which was is thinking, also I was real thinking, I was thinking Children of the Corn too. Time.
1: Yep. There's um, also a, a a great Mission Impossible episode probably season three where uh jim phelps goes into a town because he's going fishing and the town is yeah, I remember this. yeah they're gonna they're gonna assassinate some high official or something so the whole town's in on it they're all you know vaguely disguised communist spies and he stumbles upon it so they knock him on the head and put him in a in a uh, induced coma uh and then of course the ff team have to come in or not the ff team the mis team the if team mission (laughs) possible team i yeah (laughs) i guess i gotta go back to bed um anyway the rest of the guys got to come in and save him and figure out what's going on so that's what i was saying he
0: communicates by blinking right yes i remember this it was very offbeat episode
2: I find it interesting, you know, that in the credits, it, it's got, uh, with thanks to Jim Salakrup, Tom DeFalco and Al Milgram. And, you know, it's like, I, am pretty sure that was the, the, the going back and discussing the historical aspects of it might've been like in the bullpen as he's coming up with the story, he's, you know, going to them and, and trying to figure out the scroll history to make sure he didn't, you know, misspeak anything on those cows. Yeah.
1: Well, I was interested that I thought this was Burn, you know, who who loves the the, the Kirby uh, Ditko. I mean, the Kirby Lee run, uh, and he, you know, he just loves you know Silver Age Marvel. He was plucking this kind of little ins- insignificant ending to FF two and expanding on it. But apparently, others have also written about. There's there's quite a bit of history on the scroll cowl's, that yeah that I found when I was reading on it that I was amazed. I thought only Burnett brought this thing up. No, you know, the Three War.
2: Yeah, yeah, the Avengers. I went back and looked at that, and this gorgeous Neil Adams and Tom Palmer art there on that, too.
0: Yeah, just well, as the as that team gets settled in, the first explosive issue, what is it, 92, 93? Yeah. Uh, three cows shot me down.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, well, there's just, also some story, and I haven't, uh, this, this is just in the history of the cows. It does I don't know who wrote the story, but there's of uh, three scrolls that went back to 1776.
2: Yep.
1: And was that was that a later story, or was that a, I think it's a later story that they yeah. were trying to they wanted to make sure that uh, references to slavery were kept in the Declaration, so yeah. that in the future humans would be used to slavery, so they would be easier to become slaves when the scrolls showed up. And the I guess the the scrolls were caught and they were turned into cows back then, and there's no you know of course now they think well that was you know 200 years ago and they've been probably breeding with other cows, but I don't think anything's ever come of that other than like these three.
0: And the, the is strange that the one thing that is Ben
1: Franklin was a scroll. <laughs> I don't know. Does no, it does not mention? Oh yeah, one of them was um, one of them was uh. Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson, yeah, that's who he yeah. impersonated. Yeah. What title was this in? It doesn't. It doesn't. I don't know what story it's in. It uh, may be references There's a book that came out later called the Scroll, Scroll Kill, Kill Crew. Crew. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. But I don't know who wrote that.
2: And the the other thing I find really interesting is that the last bit when you see that the the truck going into Camp Merlo, the U.S. Army Depot, nobody has ever followed up on that little bit there. That's there. There's, yeah. So, uh, you know, again, I don't know if, you know, Marvel 616 universe is still going on. Is that one still going on? Is it
1: still being, yes. is, it yeah. still, is it still called 616 or has it been yeah. merged? Okay. Well, that was, cause go ahead. Well, the
3: ultimate, the ultimate universe and 616 didn't merge together. So you have characters from the ultimate universe yeah. are now in 616
2: Okay that's a little crisis on infinite Earth scary oh
3: very it's very uh, <laughs> that's, that's what that's what the last secret war was about yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay but uh, you know I saw it you know again it'd be interesting to see somebody tackle that mm-hmm. particular thing because I mean obviously an army base being you know infected like this, what would happen you know I mean again, I don't know. It's it's just a, a crazy Bird, a crazy Bird, idea.
3: Burn planted the seeds for somebody to pick up later.
1: Yeah. Um, or and, and
2: but that's the thing yep. is that you, typically those seeds got picked up in virtually every other situation, and it they were taken typically to the na- the natural absurdity. And this is one dangling plot thread that nobody ever picked up. I, I just and find I, that and really I'm bizarre. I'm kind of glad
0: they didn't. You know, this stands by itself, and it doesn't need to be followed up on. I mean it's enough for us to go oh no at the end that really drives it home and i'm glad that nobody else has has pursued it or or needled it out it's just i like it i like the fact that it hasn't been picked up but i recognize yeah i'd like to see where burn takes it from here or you know uh dan slot or or roger stern somebody who really knows what they're doing and knows the history yeah i'd love to see a sequel but i'm completely content with this standing alone
1: well it softens a little of the uh the the really happy ending that this has you know it really is he spends so much time with uh sharon that the first half of the book is just her the ff already in it just her dealing with this mysterious town then once the ff get here i mean it's a roller coaster it's like okay we got to get this thing fixed and boom 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 and then suddenly it's done Mm -hmm. so that ending is it softens that little bit that well Yeah, and Reed's. I I wrote in my notes that this is very um, uh, Star Trek 2 like. Because Reed hypnotizes these cows and puts them in a pasture and forgets about them. He doesn't check on them anymore, like Kirk didn't check on Khan. So (laughs) it kind of comes (laughs) back. This is Alpha Five. That's right. (laughs) Everything relates back to Star Trek (laughs) 2. You know, so I I honestly would have wished that, as much as I like this story, I wish it was. Not contained in an annual, it was more of four issues. Because I think this really deserves a little more exploration uh, as to what what is going on, what their motives were. You know, the the in the end, the that one is that the first uh, uh delivery of milk they're sending outside the town. Because obviously, if they had been it does, doing it, something else seem would happen. Likely, yeah, because no, if he you look at that, he says plant,
3: it's a here for your weekly delivery
1: right but so yeah it it was the same thing going on with the uh at the the army base where he's sending out to all the towns you know was it you know where they kind of like body snatchers trying to spread it out coach i've been standing by all season will you play me look i may be small but i'm a big guy inside you just haven't seen it yet and i'm drinking milk because in these years i'm growing fast
2: Milk's give me a lot of what I need for strong bones and muscles.
4: Yo, coach, give me the shot.
0: When I'm all filled out, I could bust through that line like a runaway truck.
1: And I'll say I owe it all to you.
0: Yo, milk, it does a body good.
1: Uh, because Ray just says, well, the 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 scroll matrix, what that's in their DNA, it carries their their militaristic like hostility um, aspects, so that. But the farmers. them I don't think it, d- but, but don't think a,
3: it ever defi- defines in here how long did it take them, the town to get changed.
1: And that's the thing you don't know Six if it's years. yeah, if Six it was, years. Like, right. But was it did it slowly start, and then yeah. they were as it seems like anybody that was coming in. Well, no, he said they had been checked into the hotel in five years, so it doesn't seem like they were doing what they were going to do with Sharon. Where if somebody comes in, they're going to try to change them, and then they would become. Uh, the town almost seems like a hive mind because the plants almost, even though their raid says they're not actually sentient, they seem to... Uh, they're all working for the same goal. So it seems like uh, the whole town is kind of one hive mind. Yeah,
3: yeah. Interconnected. Every Everything's interconnected. But yeah. they
2: still have to follow the leader, in which case the sheriff apparently was the leader because Barney didn't want to let him stay at the hotel.
1: No. well I don't know why they didn't. I mean, it makes sense that they... First, I thought, why don't they just kill her? Because they don't want her, to, but then they want to try to change her. I guess they want, you know, uh, you know, the numbers. So, did her allergy
2: <laughs> make it so that she couldn't be infected by the scroll DNA?
0: She kept vomiting hey, the milk. She's yeah she's allergic. Yeah, that's what saved her.
3: Is that what you're asking?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just like. That scene where Johnny walks into the room and, you know, the the one... Those milk bottles. (laughs) I mean, there's nothing that grosses me out more than, like, rotten milk. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he he really... You know, his descriptives, his images really uh, set the tone for that. But this... I mean, this whole book is just, you know, um, gorgeous in in its... the, The whole product was just gorgeous, but I think there was a lot of... Interesting things. Uh, the farm hand that basically looks like he ate Superman right. uh, <laughs> on page five. I mean, it, it's like Jethro Bodine and Superman That's crammed in Little there. Abner.
3: That's what I thought. Just looks well, like little Abner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colossus. Didn't she? If you flip back to the page, she, the... she say like Bruce's brother or Banner's brother. The Hulk's or brother. Like the yeah. Hulk's yeah, brother. brother.
2: <laughs> yeah. Now it, it, the thing is when you say when you talk about um, Jethro Bodine. Uh, Byrne used uh, Jethro as the model for Colossus so like if you look at Colossus especially in the battle of Proteus you can see that that's yeah, Jethro come on Max bear he modeled him after yeah, Max bear Max, Max Bear jr yep, yeah. Wow
0: yep I
2: just found that interesting now Sharon mm-hmm. Selleck is an interesting character um, because you know she is not typical of a burn woman. Uh, you know, she's, she's not, uh, glamorous or, or, uh, even, I, I, I don't know if y'all thought that, that, that she was an attractive character. Obviously she's fit, but she, uh, is not a typical burn attractive
3: no, female. No, she, <clears throat> to me, she seemed like the small, I think he was purposefully making her the small spunky type. Kind of mousy. Um, yeah.
1: Mousy. Yeah. I hate that haircut though. I hate that. I know that's oh, a yeah. style, it's but I hate that. I hate that, that mullet. Uh, but you're the right glass, the glasses
3: is. don't help either.
0: She serves a purpose. Yeah. You know, remember use my yardstick. Count the pages that she's in. You said quite literally the first half of the book. Well, count the number of pages she's in, and just look for the next issue pause in the story, and then the FF come in for the next issue, which is entirely the correct uh, page count. I mean. It's it's there, guys. This could have been two issues that yeah. got excerpted and pulled into the annual. It works as an annual, but you know,
4: just look for that uh, page count. Kirk, you're such a conspiracy theorist that all annuals were really <laughs> issues <laughs> <laughs> combined.
0: Well, you know, it, he, if he has fits,
4: he has it a doesn't right, mean all of them are that way. It's, just, it's,
3: this one. it's so obvious F- when it could F- have little- been. Yeah, the, the FF, look, the art to me looks better the minute the FF come into this book.
2: Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, boy, it's, it's, as I was sitting there looking through this thing, yeah, when the FF come into it, it does seem like the art uh, goes back a little bit. Uh, at least the, 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 the faces, the heads, um, they, they seem to go back towards the style that we saw in just a few issues earlier. Uh, this will change a little bit as we get into later issues.
1: Well, he could have um, if if he had the idea of, say, the FF part of this book as being a standalone story that he's going to revisit the, the the cows and then he wanted to expand it. He could easily have written all this front part with Sharon where they're not in it as kind of filler. I mean, it's interesting and it's and it creates a mood. It doesn't feel like filler, but he could easily have created, you know, it's like. You're creates right. a mood a mood <laughs>
4: oh.
2: yeah no you're right um, that, I'm
4: is, a good, that is, is, you... is a good point Kirk I mean looking at 17 and 18 right next to each other it definitely looks like a definite pff, break between two issues
0: Yeah. Hmm. We're, we're looking at it in terms of two pages of Johnny Picking up his girlfriend and then saying, Uh oh, I think we need to draw a read into this. And so they fly off. And then there's, you know, it's not perfect at the end of the, you know, the, the but page, that, but that would be the lead into the next issue. So.
1: But then that would have been, he could have, you know, because Bern was always experimenting with with storytelling and layout that. Think about this. This would have been an issue with no FF in it at all. it an FF issue exactly. with no FF. Yeah, exactly. So,
2: and Carl Potts could have said, uh-uh, "No way, Shooter's going to let you do that."
1: <laughs> well, I think, um, yeah, I don't know. Did she? But, or, then, but did or been again, more like subtle? Well, said, I mean, the thing
0: is like,
1: rather, than, I, I
0: rather that, than put it in the the regular line, let's just you know, hey, we need a story for this uh, this year's annual. Uh, gee, that, you know, John, have you thought about uh, just pairing this up and I'm doing this for the end? It a well, bit
4: more subtle. I, like I was talking with earlier before everyone got online, I loved annuals when they just had this big, massive story like this. And uh, even if it was developed as two different stories, it doesn't seem like it just on a... On a read unless you really dig into it and uh, the annuals to me were really exciting as a kid because they were more story more pages generally yeah. there was something that was just out of the regular line of things and so it was really a special event yeah uh, to have this now of course I think Kirk you brought up some annuals where they obviously they were just really bad stories, and yeah, sometimes they were just like, uh, oh, we've got these two books, we need an annual, let's throw it in there. But, um, uh, well, and annuals, I think that's
3: how annuals got a bad rap, yeah. for a while. They, the, the current annuals that are coming out, they've been getting better about um, making them relevant, or like in this case, you know, a, a good, solid one and done story. Yeah. Which, you know, I complained about the art in the beginning of the book, which maybe it is the one book versus a different book. Um, I like that this is one continuous story. You know, all 48 pages, it's one one and done story.
1: I agree. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not. I mean, the, <clears throat> the, the model was for a while. Uh, a standard 22 page and then you had four or five little tryout books it's like well let's give this new artist or this new writer a chance and you can draw something and that's fine and and even when they went i I like when annuals were occasionally um crossing over to everybody but then that became the norm so after they hit that one it was every summer all the annuals Mm -hmm. all tied into each other like well Mm -hmm. that gets that gets that gets played out pretty quick but yeah, are you guys Just, listening to Back to the Bins
0: and their Terminus Factory uh, yeah. coverage? Not yet. I submit that as an example of really lame and bad, uh, you know, crossover event. Uh, I'll let them finish their analysis, but they're two issues. Or, yeah, two issues, two episodes into a five-part crossover, and I'm sorry. It's like it was bad when it came out, and it's bad in <laughs> reread. Yeah, um, but, but it's fun how
2: to listen up. to them talk about it because I mean, Doctor Bill's analysis of it at times just kills me.
1: <laughs> well, I know sometimes writers hated that because they were forced to. Well, you've got to, you know, you've got to cross over to this. I know. I think Byrne said that himself when he was forced to do some of the Secret War stuff. That you know, it's like you're got your story going along. It's like you, oh, you got to stop and you have got to shoehorn this thing in because yep. we're, we're everybody's got to everybody's got to do it. Everybody's got to partake. Uh, and then you can get back to your story. And I can see that would rub somebody the wrong way.
3: They still do that now, and that's still a complaint. You know, you know from readers. The,
2: and I'm going to change subjects just a little bit. I, I realized, though, that when this book came out, the new costumes were very new, weren't they? The the, the, yeah, the right white right. highlights on them, because <clears throat> the, the Negative Zone story had just completed. Right.
1: And Johnny Mm -hmm. has an, I always always kind of say a break between uh, Johnny's hairstyle. He gets that kind of buzz cut comb over thing that Burn, he doesn't have in this story. The bowl
2: cut. The bowl cut. Yeah, it's
1: kind of a bowl cut, but it's a weird, uh, Brenner had it in the issues we covered uh, last week in The Hulk.
2: Yeah, and and Sue's hairstyle is more channeling Cheryl Ladd at this point, if I remember right. Well, she's
1: still the invisible girl. She's not the invisible woman yet. Yeah, yeah. And his backgrounds. You notice that Burns city backgrounds became more I don't think they're Photoshop, but it was more actual photo referencing instead of just him actually drawing the buildings in.
2: Yeah, I think the the image where Roberta, the robotic operator, is talking to her and you look out the window and you can see that that um, kinda of cityscape was taken it's from similar an to image. That,
1: right. It's similar to that. Yeah, man. and
2: he yeah, and he did like a I, I don't know what, what it is that he's done done to that but uh, I like when he was doing that, and he did an Alpha Flight too. But then on the next page, of course, you see Johnny flying over the city, and that's that's a drawn. Yeah, style. He, yeah, yeah, he just drawn that.
1: Yeah, I don't. Yeah, he I don't mind. His, I like the yeah. kind of he did it with the Hulk books. He they, they looked like he'd taken photos and kind of uh, painted over them. Yeah. So, um, did anybody else think that? And I think she pre, this predates maybe that in certain times Sharon looks like wild child. Yeah. Well, and,
2: and there's also that guy Joss, the the guy that did the rocket in the issue Hero, where uh, the kid got burned. Um, hmm. it, it's like they're related, <laughs> Sharon Wild Child and that guy Joss. Yeah, <laughs> and I think part of it's just you know they're they're all what blonde hair and um, pointed chins. It's
1: that. Yeah, it's that. It's the, and the hair doesn't. Yeah, I don't think um, the hair helps at all.
4: So, do do you guys think that uh, the uh, hotel Barney White is a reference to Barney Fife, Mayberry? I thought about that because one of them was Barney.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That that whole town, though, you know, another thing is, you know, people sit there and say that Byrne doesn't, you know, do different faces, but every character you ran into here was a different character, different look, different face. Uh, you know, there there was there was no mistaking. They were all different people. The sheriff, you know, definitely had his own look. And
4: mm-hmm.
2: Barney and Emmett and you know just everyone. Of course, Jethro out there. Wow, that, that's <laughs> yeah.
1: one of his more cartoon-like faces. If you look at that, that's a little more caricature. Like I said, I think it's supposed to be Little Abner. Yeah, but it looks I, like that's what I got. It,
2: that's the case. Yeah,
1: uh, and and the mechanic but, uh, in this, The mechanic looks like uh, what was Box's brother name or madison jeffries yeah doesn't that look like him or am i thinking of somebody else he looks like
2: nah, you're right you're right I, and, and i'm trying to figure out is he trying to make him look like he's got messy hair um you know being the grease monkey in the yeah. garage
0: but rocks oil man yep i got a question for you guys um something small you know when reed's tracing back the phone call and they zero in on King's Crossing in New York State. Yeah. How many of you brought out your atlas and actually looked to see where he zooms in and what's really there? What
2: What is there?
1: Dun, dun, dun. I did not. Homework
2: assignment. Okay. Oh, come Nobody on. else
0: did it.
1: No, I didn't okay. do it.
2: No, I, I read... When I was doing my research for this, I was really disappointed that there wasn't more out there. Because typically, if you do a good search on... Siteburnrobotics.com, and then put in you know whatever issue you're doing you'll get any discussion that happens on the website there regarding that and i couldn't find anything but one thing i did find in a couple of other pages um and they they weren't it, they they did say that this map was really really accurate though they didn't say specifically what's in a spot that king's crossing isn't that actually king's crossing vermont
0: Mm, i'm thinking this this is it's, it's the the close up the middle panel there says syracuse in it so it's clearly syracuse new york but uh you know, if you yeah, if you've got a rand mcnally uh transportation map or or whatever the, well, the current one is you can you can do some research here on your own if you have anything paper left in your house that is <laughs> I've, well, got I, a, I've
1: got I, I've, I've got an old say, rand mcnally one
0: i, I was thinking well, it, I,
1: I,
2: Oh go ahead Brian sorry. Yeah I'm I'm going to look it up right now on just Google Maps. Oh no 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 no. Oh <laughs> yes yes yeah. I was I
3: was I was, okay, well, that, well, that was supposed I'll, to be a homework I'll assignment. I'll buy, I'll I'll buy Brian some time. So okay. the, the, there's a couple things that bothered me in the book and one of them is this where he's running the trace on the call which I thought was kind of cool. How burn, you know, has his his uh burn tech, right? Um here but the fact that Uh, let me pull up the page, Uh, thing says, you know, King's Crossing, King's Crossing, that dingles a faint bell, don't it? I love that. And Reed, right? (laughs) You're right, Ben. And I think Tim had brought it up earlier that, is it even logical, though, to think that Reed wouldn't have been keeping taps on this town knowing that there were three, you know, aliens (laughs) that he tricked, right, and hypnotized into believing themselves to be cows? He doesn't bother to monitor that. Well, unless he thinks he's a
1: professor, right? Unless he thinks, unless he's mis, he thinks that when a scroll changes form, it it actually becomes that form, not just kind of the surface, you know, look of it. Because according to this, if what he says, the some of my points, my problems were that it seems like okay, he made them cows. They got mixed in with some other farmers' dairy cows, like so. He, I guess, he told them, hey, you you become a dairy cow. So they won't be, become a hamburger. Uh, uh, and then they get mixed in with a herd, and then people start drinking this milk that gets mixed in, and I guess that triggers something when they start mutating, like, hey, I got we got to find these cows, or they somehow find the cows, and they continue to milk them, because it doesn't seem like the cows are still here. The The milk vats magically fill up, and Reed later says, which is I thought was awfully convenient, that... Mm-hmm. Oh, this is self-replicating. It just pulling <laughs> pull dupians out of the yeah. air. And... Well,
3: and that that whole concept of like, well, they've been they've been dr- dr- drinking skull DNA or whatever. I'm like, yeah. oh, those aren't udders. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> hey guys, so... when you look later later in the book, just before when the thing is going through the plant, the top page, top panel on that page, when the bottom half is where the bats are refilling themselves. But the top part of that page, and then to the next page, which is again an internal shot. Oh, I'm sorry. This is a two-page spread. This is all the same panel. Yeah. Never mind. I thought <laughs> these were two sequential pages, and I thought that's odd. Why would he waste time doing the same image over? You?
1: I will say that milk Never factory mind. is that's beautiful. That's laid out nicely. It, it looks like, and uh, of course, I don't know what they're doing with all this milk, unless they are have been taking it to uh like the army base or to other towns because this is more than these people don't need to drink the milk anymore because they're already scroll hybrids well uh, you remember, kind of
3: get the gist though that that's like all they're eating you know or, or yeah. consuming is the milk well
1: he he tells it that when she goes into the diner and she wants a hamburger so oh, we don't have any meat uh we have just you know eggs and eggs and uh toast and she eats the eggs, and she gets sick, even though she doesn't have the milk. So I thought, well, are the eggs disguised? Is it real, really squirrel milk disguised as eggs, and that's how she's getting yeah, sick? it's in everything. Okay, so is it that, scrambled
0: eggs that she had made with milk?
1: I mean, that's what I was wondering. It's everything, because it's if, everything. if it if it's so close to being milk that it triggers her uh, lactose intolerance, it's not just squirrel white squirrel DNA milk. Then if it if it was resembling an egg, wouldn't it resemble an egg so much that it shouldn't trigger her allergy for that? Unless it is scrambled eggs and they're mixing milk in with it. But I thought she asked for a poached egg, which wouldn't have milk in it, right? I
4: don't know. Right? Maybe it, uh, And just remember that they're also watering all of the plants with the milk, so that's why they're. Yeah, that's like another corn. reason why it has so much. So yeah, uh, and yeah, uh, that, and, that and that shouldn't you have been able it, to
3: smell that town from about I don't know twenty <laughs> miles away?
4: well
1: it's a typical town that can get just swallowed up it's it's an all you know any kind of a book or a movie that you know this town has been cut off but i guess it's off the main road nobody goes through it or you know they obviously put fencing around it but
2: well it's right by highway 81 interstate highway 81 the north south highway and it's in parish county um there is, as I look at that area right now on Google Maps, all that is there is the Gristmill Cafe. It's a family restaurant and a Sunaco gas station where the Roxanne gas station was supposed to be. So I don't think the town has changed much in the last 30 years.
4: <laughs>
1: oh, something may really be going on. Well, basically, I, I thought also, <laughs> I was basically Bern is saying that, okay, the cows weren't giving real milk. They were giving the equivalent of milk, which was which was them bleeding. I don't know if they were producing it, or it was almost like they were bleeding or something. It was like their essence. And these people were consuming it, so that was what was mutating him. And he says the milk would have would be almost alive. So to me, Bernd is saying, the scrolls are basically the thing. Because anything, any part of it you consume is going to turn you into uh, it, and it seems to be alive. So couldn't a scroll... I'm- if the milk can absorb nutrients from the air and replenish itself, couldn't a scroll just continually regenerate itself or even grow to massive size just by absorbing its surroundings? Yeah, we're talking John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah, that's exactly what it's the same premise.
2: Yeah.
1: Hmm. Interesting stuff. What a, what a hack, John burton deep, no, no.
3: Deep, <laughs> deep, Tim, deep. Let us let us take that in for a moment <laughs> well
1: that's why I thought and, this would be really be cool if it was a four issue or even a six issue so there was really I mean what is it like mystery yeah let's see this town slowly uh be taken over by this thing let's uh let's explore what what is their you know he says they just become efficient farmers but they obviously are sending it out to other places so they're so they, they want, so want to what, spread themselves around.
2: What you're saying, though, is that what you would prefer is a decompressed story.
1: No, no, no. I don't want a decompressed story. <laughs> I, know. I'm, I'm I, want, I, want, I want more writing. Maybe this is the start of this, the uh, secret invasion. Maybe this is exactly. where it all started. Yeah. That's what
2: I was thinking. Which makes, again, begs the question, why did nobody ever jump on that one plot point of the military bases and, and who knows where else that milk is gone?
1: Maybe they felt that was covered in secret invasion.
2: Yeah, I mean, are all these places now red states?
3: No. <laughs> <laughs> Did I just say that? I'm sorry. It explains it all.
0: Uh, this, uh, this is where they ship in that milk to the White House.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, then Breach gonna have to just create more of the. And I thought it was convenient too that his little uh, disinfected whatever is like, oh, it's self replicating too. Right. That, re- that, re- that yeah, thing that stays full all the off. time.
3: <laughs> but. And that the thing could take out this delicate piece of machinery and you know, all that Reed flies around and to disperse it. <laughs> what did, he, what did oh, the thing call it? Like his egg? The,
2: the flying bathtub?
0: Yeah. yeah, the
3: flying bathtub.
2: <laughs> I love That's that. The original
0: thing. FF
3: car.
2: Yeah. yeah. Fantastic car.
3: Yeah. All right. Well, it, it's
0: he, nice to see to, that show up again.
3: To Tim's it, point, yeah, there there's a lot more that needed to be fleshed out. And I'm sure we'll get there at the, the very last pages. But to me, it had that. Um, End of the classic Star Trek run yeah. ending, right? Where yeah. it's like every everything's done, and they laugh on the bridge, ah, ha ha ha, ha yeah. and
1: they they fly away, and it's like, yeah. wait a minute, <laughs> do, 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 do. Yeah. exactly. McCoy or Spock found the solution. They injected everybody, uh, you know, and then again, yes,
4: whoa. And, and the town just like in FF number two, they just leave without even following up on right. what has all these things of milk have been going out for months or years and just like they did with the cows oh, i'll hypnotize you and leave you here and be fine they just kind of like tootle off' and it's well, the, like the, oh the, my gosh the townspeople well, I mean, are
1: it, go ahead uh, Brian
3: yeah yeah i, I was gonna say huh. my first thing was the town that the the sheriff that they talked to at the end right he's like oh well you know like okay well nothing exciting ever happens here'm glad something cool happened and then he's totally <laughs> fine with it like Six years of his life evidently are to have been you know gone right. He doesn't remember them or whatever.
1: But they haven't. Um, but they haven't aged, and they're they all on, aged. They're all in better health. So right. apparently, it cured everything was yeah, wrong with and, them.
2: And and it, it's, I mean, what what you've got here is that this town was turned into a highly regimented, very efficient production facility, and they've been cruising along for a few years just doing what they're doing, and they're doing it really well. Now they come out of this stupor. They come out of the haze and they've got the template for good production right there in front of them. They just have to be able to to maintain. And if they can do that, you know, then, you know, it's good for them. Otherwise they can just get on with their lives however they intend it.
1: Yeah. But, you know, some poor kid is still eight years old, even though all his, you know, everybody else's age, six it's, years. It's
2: like the blip in
1: the,
3: in
2: the current exactly. CU. yeah. Well, this no, is...
1: it's, it's what we asked earlier, right? It's like, okay,
3: Read Reed and the Fantastic Four don't bother to stay behind, right, to, to answer some of those questions of, okay, how long did it take you to turn, like, what's your last memory, right? We, we don't think that this process was instantaneous, like you drink the milk once yeah. and you're instantly a scroll. Um,
1: well, he does say you know, they, so how, they set up a trust fund to cover rehabilitation and... Uh, reorientation of the of of the of the citizens. So it's like he's gonna send some a group of you know doctors yeah. or social workers down there to say, well, right. you know, you are you know, you're, yeah. uh, you're, and, uh, and, uh, and hopefully he so. said that he, he
3: put the the rest of the Fantastic Four's funds aside in some kind of a uh, trust because there's gonna be a lot of civil suits uh. <laughs> coming from this. But yeah, he doesn't he doesn't stay behind to get the. You know the additional research needed to figure out what you know what happened, how long did it take, and then the the question about the distribution network, right? Yeah, you know, like you said, he, you would think he would need to know that, like right now, like how well, he, far? Yeah,
1: they just did, assume. Oh, it's go. glad none of this stuff reached yeah. outside the town. He just assumes that, uh, right? And didn't he also inadvertently discover the cure of all diseases?
0: I know I should drink milk because it'll help me grow up big and strong
1: it has got stuff that's good for my bones and stuff that's good for my muscles. And I guess that's okay, but I'm more interested in having fun. That's what makes milk so neat. You can drink a lot of it, and it tastes cool. So it can be a real pick-me-up.
0: Milk, it does the body good.
1: Because yeah, think about that's it.
2: A, <laughs>
1: he could, it's like, okay, we're going to give you a shot of scroll DNA... You're gonna transform. Then we're gonna spray you with this stuff, and you're gonna be uh, cured of everything.
2: Yeah, but the anti-vaxxers wouldn't let it go, you know.
3: <laughs> oh my god, it sounds so ridiculous when you just boil it down like that.
1: Well, it's the <laughs> it's this side of paradise from Star Trek when Spock right. gets hit by the yeah. spores. Yeah. And everybody's it, it it cures all their their uh, you know all the anything kind of problem you have it cures them 100. percent But it takes away your you know like your ambition. Uh, so there's there's always been arguments, and that is like, did Kirk have a right to go there and uh, disrupt this peaceful settlement? Even they weren't doing anything; they were just all laying around, being kind of hippie-like. It's the lotus flower. Yeah,
0: yeah. Hey, Mm -hmm. when they did the reef, they when Byrne did the reef replay, uh, flashback to Fantastic Four two. Did any of you get the impression that some of this may have been photoshopped uh, from the original? I mean, the layouts are so similar.
2: Well, uh, Burns always all his, been pretty his, good about reproducing Kirby's images, and I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know if he lightboxed it or what. Especially that image of the thing, you know, going out to that was it a, an oil facility yes, or something? Yeah i bike. mean that that looks so much like the kirby imagery i mean i reread fantastic four too just to mm-hmm. to prep for this and yeah the the that the, all that sequence of course his scrolls definitely don't look like those scrolls i mean they're they're just you know a, a nice nice version of in between the scrolls that we that that kirby right. did and the scrolls that we know today um but yeah, I mean again, Byrne loves to replicate this stuff. I don't know if he did a lightbox or if he just did it from uh freehand. But re- re- regardless, you know, whenever he does Kirby, he tries to give him as much credit as he can.
1: I think Burn's talented enough that he doesn't wouldn't need to to lightbox. I think he can cuz it doesn't look it looks like it looks like Kirby's layouts, but artwork. it look it's Burn's artwork just yeah. done in yeah. it's his style, but he's just doing the same layouts that um Kirby did. And I it, just love to take his recreations and then find the original issue, whether
0: it's in a Masterworks or or wherever, and do a page by page look left, right, left, right, and see yeah. what did he choose, what did he leave behind, what did he combine,
1: what I did he add. I just love that stuff. Yeah, yeah,
0: it just I endless. I can lend do endless hours of that. It's well just the the, the top
1: to the top three panels on page. Page is it. It's it's the the basically the recreation of the cover of uh, FX two yeah. where Reed's coming in. Those three yeah. panels are, are are very close. Uh, the bottom one's not quite because uh, even though the monsters at the Emperor, <laughs> of course I don't know how he's being fooled by comic book pages, but that uh, <laughs> it was like this is an artist's edition of the monsters we have. He says he doesn't you know in the original one he calls them out as clippings from. Strange tales and journey into mystery. I think existing yeah. comic mags, but this he just says these are Johnny's monster comics.
0: Yeah, right, right. It was a little in joke in the yeah. original. I especially like the last panel because it is so evocative of the end of two as well. I a uh, little side note here, going back on the same page to page panel two, it shows the water tower rocket lifting off. Somebody recently last who said, you know the the. Water Tower, Rooftop Water Tower, is so omnipresent in the early Civil Age Marvel books. It crosses all lines. Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, Daredevil. It's mm-hmm. in every title, and they couldn't figure out why that was. I've got an answer, although it's pure speculation. Um, you know, if you're on the sixth floor of a, of a building churning out comic books, and you've got one window that overlooks the rooftop next door... And on that rooftop is a water tank, which wasn't all that uncommon back in the day. That's that's what the early fire suppression systems were. Well, there it is, it's right in front of you. And so if you're having a rooftop battle between heroes or villains, what have you, of course it's a great stage wow. set. You're new, you wouldn't be used to seeing them from the street, but if you had a view to the roof, you bet you'd be seeing this shape all over the place. Anyway, that's a little side excursion. Well, Probably
1: I think, uh, the <laughs> <laughs> And I've heard uh, artists say that that's what they like so much because in maybe not so much now, but in, certainly in early Marvel, New York was as much a character as the characters were. It's yeah. like it's like Law and Order. New York is as much a character as the, the cops are. And they loved the fact that where they were working, they could just look out the window and there's New York so they could draw it. It was all out there in front of them. So.
2: Okay, I, I've got a couple comments I want to make just to uh, see what you guys thought. What the heck was the car that she was driving? She referred to it as the midget. Is it that's not an MG midget?
1: It looks like an. That could be an uh, uh, MG. So I got. I got. It's got to be a real car because he's he's drawn it as. Uh, yeah, but
2: when when she's standing over it. I mean, she looks so big, and it looks like the car's perspective is too
1: small. Am I am, – I mean – Midgets – I mean, well, I know, I'm not even sure if I can still use that term now. Uh, <laughs> MG, <small, laughs> no, no, little person, uh, cars are uh, – I don't think they're not very big.
2: Yeah, I just – I hadn't seen one in that style before. I mean, I remember the ones that look a lot like um, – I, I, more of a miata shape than than anything um
1: well i had another I'll question about that because she says oh it just needs oil when she's complaining about her friend loans a car and she's like she doesn't know when she makes that stupid joke about thinking that automotive is the reason someone murders a car uh she goes even you know even these little cars need oil and later when mechanics is all oh, you need a new fuel pump she says well it just needed oil uh, and I've done this to my own car. So if you run out of oil, it that car is going to need a lot more than just more oil in it. You're going to burn that oil, yeah. engine it's up, right. and you're going to need a new engine. <laughs> right. So. Uh,
2: okay, I, I did find an image for a 1933 J4 MG Midget, and um, came from a 1978 issue of Road and Track. That's similar, but still quite different. It's got yeah, the front is, end, like a- you see.
3: Yeah, this is a unique one with the wire wheels and then the the knockoff. Um, but that's got to,
1: just knowing Burned, that's got to be an actual car. I don't think he can create yeah. it a car. It's got to be a real car that either he likes or somebody he knows owns one or something that he's these because he's replicated it too well. Um, yeah. In in oh, I found it.
2: 1945. It, it would be yeah, I found a 1945 white version of. Virtually that same vehicle. Dang! Yeah. Oh, and I found a fifty-five that is the same color. And wow, yeah,
3: yeah. it—that it, wire wheels, thing? wire wheels, and knockoffs. Yep, wire
2: wheels, and it's got that Rolls Royce kind of grill on it. And that's yeah. the thing that really uh, got my attention. But um, from wow, that's that's really really cool. I, again, you know, it's like i I'm always fascinated by stuff like that. But it just seems so small there to her there's nothing to give it scale in the images I found though yeah.
3: well if she, if she is small and and you know spunky kind of uh, get out there and go it would fit yep. her personality
2: yep it's and probably, uh, like, I mean it, again she's wearing the daisy made clothes here in the first well, thing, she con- she in a
1: little lab nurse. well she comments on, on that she says she wonders why nobody used, even the way she was dressed that some of the townspeople would you know give her a like, glance yeah we're
3: yeah, uh, provocative attire for small-town yep. America.
2: And even when she changes, she still changes into stuff where the, the, the navel is visible. Yeah. So you got those short shorts going, low-rise, yes. man. As yes.
3: yes. you do. Uh, my navel is visible right now. Uh, you guys Pretty don't wear cut
0: Information. Off. Yeah, <laughs> you're you sure. Cut-off shirts, low.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> We're all favorite. wearing our third-degree burn shirts. What's the matter, you?
1: <laughs> what are the uh, what are the shirts that football players wear that are half shirts? Aren't they called rally shirts or something? Um, when they're doing when they're exercising or they're doing their drills.
2: Couldn't I say. don't know.
1: They've suspended all sports at my <laughs> local
0: university. I'm not kidding. They announced yesterday morning the MAC has suspended all fall sports. Period. So our university and everything is out.
1: I think they're gonna play here at Raider Stadium. They're gonna do, but it's gonna be the they're gonna be playing before cardboard cutouts. Where's my
2: cowbell? (laughs) (laughs) Y'all are talking sports. (laughs) Hey, I I, want to turn your attention though uh, into in back back to the book though. When uh, she Sharon decides to call Julie Angel, Julia D'Angelo. Do you guys notice the phone that Julie has? The Hulk phone. The Hulk phone. I want that phone. That looks so cool.
1: Hulk has brought up several times. I mean, first she says about Little Abner, hey, you're Hulk's yeah. brother. You see the Hulk phone. And there's one other Hulk uh, reference. So it And like... there's
2: also uh, an Andrea Braun reference, too, in Braun County.
1: Hmm.
2: They they mentioned Braun County. And this is right at the time when they were actually married. I know that uh, a couple... The, the Assistant Editor's Month issue... Uh, Which is a trial of Reed Richards. The opening sequence has her, you know, him talking on the phone. He gets zapped away by the watcher, and then she walks in. So she makes a guest appearance in that book. Mm. So she doesn't have the pixie haircut that we were talking about last time.
1: You think he goes back and, uh, after they got divorced, and erased her out of that panel?
2: No, no. They apparently got a good relationship. And God, this makes me sound like such a stalker. It's just all that (laughs) I picked up from the website. (laughs) From his website over the years. I didn't search this information
3: out. I'm just kind of like paying attention. to. First the First step that. is recognizing you have a problem. That's right.
0: <laughs> Who is this boyfriend or the date of Julie? She refers to him as Gray. That's gray Landers.
2: But, and uh, basically, she's the reason why Johnny and her are not dating. That uh, She is much more interested in Gray than mm-hmm. she was with Johnny. And she eventually goes out to the West Coast with Gray Landers to... Uh, i guess try to get into movies and stuff
1: yeah i think he drops it well what you hadn't brought up is that that sharon kind of has a thing for johnny too and i guess yeah kind of hit on him a couple times that he kind of uh who does
3: so dreamy
1: (laughs) well speaking of that when the when he first grabs uh julie and he's like hey i'll you know i'm gonna fly you over there um and he's flamed on, but he, you know, they take the the care to say no. His hands aren't flamed on, even though they're colored right. yellow.
2: Yeah. That, he looks that like he's saying. got.
1: He looks like he's got her, you know, held up against his chest, which is on fire. So I'd think that uh, she would be <laughs> would be incinerated. But
2: no, I mean Johnny's powers always said he's able to to put heat wherever he needs to. Oh yeah. So so he can pull ch- the heat.
1: But his chest is a flame.
0: Right
2: yeah. Right. The, the colorist definitely is the one that made the mistake here.
1: Yeah. I, I like you.
3: So, oh,
2: oh, no. Oh, no. Well, it's so like that scene in Fantastic Four again. 2. There's a scene in Fantastic Four 2 where Johnny Storm and his new girlfriend get out of his car. And they ask her, you know, what's it like jading Donnie? And she's, Johnny, she makes a comment that, you know, you just have to have a lot of aloe. <laughs>
1: That's... <laughs> That, that'd be a great scene. You know, he takes off with someone and you see him take off and you're on still on the ground and you see his ashes just kind of float down. <laughs> it's oh, like, not again. Uh, now yeah. that's what I Another
2: thing that's, that's, that's <laughs> interesting is, um, and I don't know what pages is, I guess it is. No, doesn't the thing's not telling me here, but it's, it's the, the sequence right after he's picked her up and yeah, it's the same page where they got the coloring mistake on his hands. At the bottom, Reed Richards is actually sitting in a back. chair. I was going to
1: ask about that. Does he have, you know, does he have, a, does he have a, a risk of having a bad back because he's all? Uh...
2: Oh, I love these things. I have one when, uh, when, I, you know, when I lived at home with my parents, we had one in the computer room, and uh, you just lean into it, and it just supports your back, perfect, so you've got good posture.
0: Oh, they
1: were all the rage back then. Yeah. We had one. If that was yeah. done now, but they didn't last. If it was done now, it'd be, uh, and I've seen these at work. Uh, one of those big balls, big rubber balls that people sit on.
2: Yeah. But I like those chairs.
0: That's yeah, kind of cool.
1: That was very much a
0: thing back then.
2: But uh, you know, when you look at the, the 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 next couple pages, when Reed's got the the map of New York, the the map is for the most part accurate, except where they add King's Crossing in. Right. Because uh, it's not there. That's just Parrish County right around there, and there's not a whole lot in that area. Uh, but the town itself is so built up. When you look at it as they show the, the town scenes, like the very next page there, you see Reed's U-Haul coming coming through the I like the fact that he used the U-Haul to, to bring the the flying bathtub and his equipment in. And then I was just saying the pages of the of the city street, It I mean, it looks more like a, a New York City street instead of a small town city street. Small town city street would be a lot more sparse. And the actual town that's in this area is is nothing like this. It's like one or two buildings.
1: Oh Yeah, this town is kind of portrayed as being Mayberry. That's not, you know, yes. that small. Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah, I came from one of these
1: towns. Believe
0: me, the downtown is about two blocks long. <laughs> Yeah, and About four stories high at most, usually two.
2: Yeah, same, same here. I came from Rushford, Minnesota, which is a little tiny fly speck. But it's got Rushford up on the hill just like Hollywood, so everybody, like, you know. But
1: huh? well, don't you think they'd have their own transportation? I mean, I know they're undisguised, but uh, you think he would have, you know, when they, uh, when they got blasted back in time with Nick Fury and his shield car could mimic. The
2: UPS thing. Yeah. Right.
1: That Reed would have some kind of a drown, ground transport that could do that instead of him. You know that means somebody had to go to U-Haul, reserve a truck, go pick it up, <laughs> drive back, and be like, well, "Let's see, I need the bigger one because you know the bath, you know the flying bathtub is this big, and I gotta have it." You know, do you need packing blankets for that Reed? Oh yeah, best so I got got to wrap the the bathtub in those. I want to get <laughs> scratched. Well, that,
0: that unit is supposed to be back at uh, nine a.m. this morning, but uh, they, they haven't turned it in
3: yet. So you're gonna right. have to wait until after two.
2: Was it rated to be able to handle the thing's
3: weight? Good question. <laughs> and the fantastic car? And the deposit. Right. Don't forget the deposit. And bring the bring
1: the fuel tank back full, or else. That's right. Or else we're going to charge you $5 a gallon. And they sure did.
3: But by the way, we lost John a little while ago, too.
2: Hey, John had to drop.
3: Oh, that's right. Oh, uh, yeah
2: now the one the one thing that's really weird when they're checking into the hotel that white square it's basically the 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 desk of the hotel but it looks like you almost expect to see a upc code there based on the size and shape
0: yeah i noticed that just now uh before you mentioned it i caught that too it's like that's odd that is odd i wonder if maybe there was an ad or there was something Anybody got the original in front of them? Yeah, I, I, yeah, look, it's, I'm it's, look, well, I looked at the, the
2: scan of the original. It's the same thing. It's just an empty white, white space.
4: It's just it should it to,
2: should have been something yeah. other than white. I think would have made it not so, you know, conspicuous as something to you know it, it grabs your attention. Why is this? It's almost like Byrne decided to cut something out.
1: It's almost like a panel break that he was gonna have another the rest of the panel, but there's no reason for the, the panel below it to intrude into that. Yeah,
2: it, it just should have been a different yeah, color. I, I think the editor or the colorist probably could have done something to to help that, but they didn't.
0: Maybe originally it said join the MMMS with a picture of the thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That was ubiquitous uh, back in uh, Fantastic Four, 36, 37, 38, 39. There was a, a whole time period when they were promoting their first club and you'd have those things all over in the issues, appearing on billboards, on the side of the U-Haul, and there was one in every issue. You yeah. guys remember this? Yeah. No. No? Okay, homework assignment. Look at some of the <laughs> covers from right, right around 65. <laughs> and you'll see little ads for the uh, MMS.
2: Oh, Mary Marvel Marching Society.
0: Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah, 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 I know. And they were always orange, and they stuck up every place. And if you go through the books, there's a a whole-page ad that's devoted to joining this club. Um, And somebody just recently said, why in the world, how could they get away with that? And it's basically they sold contracts for ads, and then they either miscalculated the number of pages that they had, or the number of pages of ads, so they came up with, oh, we've got a 22-page story, and we've got an extra page left over. Oh, let's put it, in, turn it into the bullpen page, or let's turn it into, you know, an in-house yeah, ad. I'm, that's how that happens. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm, yeah, I was
2: going to take us back to the book. The page where they're getting into the hotel room, um, I love this, this uh, briefcase that Reed opens up and all the little Kirby tech and everything that's in it. Of course, today. Yeah, of course, today all that can fit on our smartphones. Well,
1: it would be an iPad right <laughs> or a laptop yeah. today. Yeah. Well, the same with the map. I mean, don't you think Reed is like, oh, finally we have digital maps? He doesn't have this huge map on on the wall <laughs> that he's having to do his little triangulation on. Yeah, Google
0: right so. navigate me to King's Crossing. That's right. It'll take you to Vermont. <laughs>
1: I want to ask what you guys thought about the the monsters that the uh, the townsfolk uh, turn into. Do you think those they look like scroll, you know, like something a scroll would become? But do you think that's because they have some kind of race memory of the from the DNA they're ingesting? Or I thought it'd be nicer if they became more earthbound type. You know, whatever is in the conscious of like if Brian you suddenly had the the power of a scroll, which I, I assume you don't, but I don't know. Uh, if you could shapeshift, you know, you would turn it into something you'd seen in a movie or something you'd read or something out of your subconscious or something you saw as a child, like a werewolf or um, something. And I thought that would be kind of a neat – I know they had to be kind of generic monsters. You can't do kind of trademark, but They're the yeah. it, nice of,
2: it the actually Atlas made me problem. think of um, that um, West Coast Avengers uh, Acts of Vengeance when they wrapped that up in the final battle. And all those like demon type monsters and whatnot were attacking, um, and it, it, the, the same kind of monsters they're attacking is what we see here, and so you know it's just a nondescript
1: uh, yeah it's just... boogeyman. Yeah, I mean they look a lot like the the in FF one where. They're going to go Monster Island. Yes. Dinner, yeah. Again, Kirby It's monsters. like they're using
2: the same kind of monsters that Reed, you know, gave him images. I mean, it's not the exact same, but it's just like, like Kirby that's monsters.
1: What, that's what I yeah, thought. The Atlas vibes. Yeah. That's probably what it is.
2: Yep. But, yeah, but uh, really cool. Guys, I'm sorry. I got distracted here. Someone's cooking bacon. <gasps> <laughs> it smells oh. so
0: good. Thanks for mentioning <laughs> it. Yes. Well, so how I much more bacon. do we have to cover on this? Well, I mean, the
2: thing is, is like, we're not doing a page-by-page, but we are talking about things that we that we saw in here. And talking about the monsters themselves was it, it is interesting. You can see that, that some of them have got some very burned looks about them. Um, but, you know, I mean, really what it is is he's created monster shapes and let the colors go to town on differentiating them. Because every monster is one single color except for maybe the I like
1: two- that. Yeah, that's, that's kind of throwback to 60s Marvel where you have these big color – just I like
2: on the, the the page where the thing does his it's clobbering time and I love the lead-in. Mm-hmm, hey mm-hmm. kiddos, kiddies, do you know <laughs> what time it is? It's clobbering time. But you as you look around as you can see there's so much differentiation, how many fingers and what they do. One of them looks like a brown rock monster, and then there's one that's lizardy and scaly. Looks a little bit
1: like abomination. Yeah, but not that's quite thing. as
2: big. But I mean that it's yeah. you know that he's done a lot and he just said, you know, let's make sure they're all different colors. So you can differentiate them,
1: but but another nitpick when, when Reed sprays them with a the gas and they start reverting, and it kind of it's uh, it's purging the the scroll, the scroll DNA. Wouldn't they be naked? Because we're assuming the clothes are part of their transformation, not actual clothes. But when they revert they're fully clothed again
2: yeah um, uh, i mean this is a code a code approved book so there you yeah, go yeah <laughs> but you're not
1: but you're not seeing you're seeing yeah, their heads no, and their no, shoulders they could easily right. be naked they could easily be naked
2: yeah it, it, it makes me think of the incredible hulk cartoon where every time he turned back to banner he would all of a <laughs> he sudden he was out a
1: tie and shirt in,
2: in a knapsack <laughs> and he carried yeah. around with him so you know yeah
1: well, it's like it's like Bill Bixby. It's you know he only had that knapsack in the TV show were boots because he tore through his boots in every episode, and he always had to get, go and get himself another pair of dingoes.
0: Yeah, the top of that panel or top of that page when the thing is uh, being assaulted in the factory, um, and he's starting to tear up the pipes and the milk starts to flow. Look at um, look at the the light green monster that's right in front of him. He's kind of laying. Yeah. almost prone and yep. then he's reaching up he's kind of very faintly sketched there he's got a very distinctive um not eyeglasses but sort of a mask over his eyes it looks what they call that monster um zemo oh, no uh titan zemnu zemnu yes i, yes. I have no mouth the and i am mean that's the one he's got like a tin cap on usually yeah. and I'm thinking that's what he used as a template for this monster.
2: It reminds me of, like, um, uh, what's the guy, the fire guy from Uh, X-Men? Sunfire. Sunfire, Sunfire or, uh, you know, like a kind of a Kabuki-type mask. Yes. uh, Or even Orm's mask from Aquaman, but just, you know, colored green. Yep. But, you know, I I just would be so gross to be in all that milk fighting these guys. You know, the thing's got to probably stink (laughs) for weeks. (laughs) Now you cannot fit two of me in this dress
1: And I've got big news for you, big brother I'm drinking milk And in the next few years, it's gonna give me a lot of what I need For strong bones, beautiful skin, and a healthy body Before you know it, I'll be turning the heads of your friends And when I do, if you're still the same little creep in a big body I won't
4: even acknowledge you, my brother
1: Milk, it does a
2: body good
0: uh, getting all that milk out of the cracks. <laughs> all right, you took your best shot. Now it's my turn. <laughs> Wait, where's that? Where's that from? Yeah, that's yeah, Wolverine yeah. at 132. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yep. Uh, did he say that in here, though?
0: No, 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 okay. no. I'm just evoking the image.
2: Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. You know, the thing is, this. I think this was the book that really made me recognize how much Burn had changed the thing's look overall. I mean, you can go back as far as uh, 249 and you realize that Burns making a big change in the geometry of the thing. But it was never more apparent as it was in this book.
0: Well, you've got the flashback to FF2 where he's yep. pretty lumpy. Yep. But throughout all, this adventure, he's pretty scaly.
2: He's, yeah, the rocky, scaly thing. But he's mm-hmm. almost got a... Uh, you know, the the arms are so long on this version of the thing uh, and, and and the head's got that one gigantic cranial ridge that makes them look different from the way the thing had been portrayed before. Even in his versions of them from, you know, 235 on up uh, after Franklin brought him back to the uh, the rocky version, he still seemed to change a little bit more over the next couple issues.
1: Yeah. Byron's dream is, like you said, no, not not a lot of muscle tone. Right. He was, he was just, think of his, of his image. He's got him in a hot move. He's just kind of, he's just, his mass. That's all he is. He's not muscled, which I don't think he should be. Yeah. I don't think he needs to be, look like the Hulk or anything like that. So I, I think this or the, you know, the way Kirby kind of originally settled on drawing him where he's just a massive interlock. I mean, I'm assuming he's interlocking rocks that I would always think that he would, he would make noise when he moved. Yeah. Like he would fight, he would hear gritting or, or, or like a gravel sound or something as he moves and this stuff rubs against each other that's what i
3: assumed even when i was a kid was that you know because he's all rock um yeah there'd be uh you know grinding sounds and then he, he would be leaving little bits
0: you know everywhere yeah, he went they've shown that sometimes but i as a kid i never never thought about noises that he made other than his battle cry really? that's really weird it never occurred to me
1: well, I've heard it some, and I can't remember what book, but somebody described his voice as sounding like gravel. Yeah. A real gravelly, low voice. Yeah. Um, but... I don't know. I hear Michael says,
2: Chiklis now.
0: <laughs> that wasn't a bad portrayal of him, to tell you the no, truth. Uh, I, was, I was impressed with that. No matter uh, how bad the movie may have been, uh, that wasn't bad.
2: Yeah. No, Michael Chiklis is, it was the perfect casting for the thing. And uh, you know they did a good job with him. Uh, I was never a fan of, of Ewan Grufford as Reed Richards, um, but I have yet to see an actor. Maybe John Krasinski might be able to give Reed Richards uh, the gravitas that that he he needs. Uh, wait and see. If if we were if we were doing it like 15 years ago, I would have said George Clooney.
1: Ooh. Oh no, oh. Clooney
2: but simply, oh, Clooney's too pretty boy. But yeah. Simply He's for too the, boy. simply for the voice of Reed Richards. Uh, George Clooney the way he the way he talked and, and such that he would have been a good Reed Richards just for the voice. Today he, No,
1: I think it if well, I think if you're it's, it's too old, but if you're gonna do it at the time, Michael Rennie has got the voice and the okay. look. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think that and it needs to be kind of a cultured kind of uh, I don't. know, I think I don't. Know, I, I just don't think Clooney be right for it. But um. Professor from Gilligan's Island. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well,
3: I mean, there's
2: not much difference. Russell, he could have done it. Yeah, yeah
0: he could have done it. Russell, Russell Williams,
3: right? Yeah, yeah. Russell,
0: you
1: know, Johnson. You know, Russell Johnson. Hey,
3: that's a great, great opportunity for email, right? What's your Dreamcast of the <laughs> Fantastic Four?
1: That's right. Yeah, I, exactly. I would
3: definitely love to hear
2: everybody's Dreamcast for the Fantastic Four. That's uh, you know, I mean, that's the homework assignment. Really think about it, and and when we do get together, we'll we'll talk about it. Um, does anybody have anything else they want to point out or, or push forward on this particular issue?
1: No, let me let me consult my notes here that I wrote down. Yeah, uh, I will
2: uh, say I just love seeing them in the flying bathtub. Um, that's that's just really really cool
1: Um, I I love the bathtub I think that they should always keep that that's a classic design and it's so simple it's
0: a nod back to the original story back in in, uh, FF2
1: I think did they have it in 2? I know they had it in 3 well 3 I think is where it first shows up right
0: I I have to go look they didn't even have costumes yet in in 2 that's right that is right Costumes show up in three as they go
1: more. Well, that's through. why three is so significant. I mean, you got the costumes, you got the redesign of the way Johnny's drawn. He's not just a, he looks the way he looks now. Uh, you get the bathtub, you know, they, they, it's kind of more cohesive as to what they're going to become. Yep.
0: Yeah.
1: But, no, I think this, I think somebody, whoever said it, that this is more kind of harks back to the first couple issues, this, I think that's what Burn was kind of going for. This is feels kind of like a Silver Age. It's, it's it? a little more explaining, a little more explaining than a Silver Age book would have. But um, yeah, he's tying up a loose end.
0: But it's a good yeah. one. It was an obvious oversight, an obvious gap from the first couple issues. When you know, I, I'm a firm believer. The Kirby and Lee, they didn't intend for this to be going. You know, they they were just going no, to keep meat and no, potatoes can't. on the table and keep the line going. And so they weren't thinking about. Loose ends, Twilight Zone was on TV. You know, little ironic ends and and morality plays and old Henry twists were on television. They were in the the the, the culture at the time, so they were not looking at ongoing continuity at
1: all at this point. No, he wasn't thinking. Yeah, he wasn't thinking this was going to be still going on fifty years later. So yeah, uh, but
2: the editors needed a, the, the editor Carl Potts needed someone else to come back behind him. I think. If you look on page thirty-five, when Reed's spraying the the plants, he actually says an inhibitor such as this would not, of, not of course, work on a real skull, not
1: scroll. Yeah, I talk about that. He's <laughs> he's he misspells it. But why wouldn't it? it uh, what was the bomb they set off that locked all the scrolls in there? Oh man! Current that was from a wasn't that from a that was, that was from the, the later the, annual. Was that an the, annual? the annual that had the two? Um, yeah. The Avengers that,
0: on one side. And yeah. The
2: crossover annual. Yeah.
0: So that's a yeah. Roger Stern innovation that didn't last. No, it didn't that's last. That's a at all. shame because that was supposed to be the
1: end. But then we wouldn't have had Secret War that, or, that was the or very Secret very, that
2: was, Yeah, that was Annual Nineteen. Secret Vision.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking of scrolls, let's just hope that if they pop up anymore in the MCU, whether it's Captain Marvel or they, you know, they get ported over to somebody else. That they're bad guys because I liked Skrulls as bad guys. I didn't. I didn't really like that turn in Spider-Man, in Captain Marvel. Work. Oh,
2: Captain Marvel, yeah, that's right.
1: Captain Marvel, where it was like, oh no, we're we're you thought we were the bad guys? We're not. We're actually, you know, we're spoilers. We're, you know, we're spoilers. Oh. <laughs> Is everybody not seen Captain Marvel? I think we all have. I'm just being. Okay. <laughs>
0: You know, we were talking about this story may need to be redressed. How strongly do you guys feel about that? Does this really deserve to be rewritten or remade as a four-part miniseries? Maybe a one-issue? No, no, no. no, no. It just that, that no, it no. probably
2: should have been done that way in the first place was I think what Tim was trying to say, that okay. it could have been part of the regular series. But, you know, if you recall in the regular series around this time, all the things that were going on – the Galactus storyline, you know, the Skrull Throne World basically getting, you know, eaten, and um, the the trial of Reed Richards coming on, the the death of Doctor Doom, uh, the 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 fight with Terak or Tyros at that point, and the Silver Surfer. There were, I mean, it, it was nonstop, just right. continual nonstop. But it was just greatness. This is like burned just. Taking that run and turning the Fantastic Four into his definitive book.
1: Yep. I mean, well, he was great at he would great at dropping in little hints along the way of a story he's going to do in the future. Yeah. He would have like one or two panels, and that's I thought this could work for that. He could have just one or two little panels leading up over several issues, maybe even a year, until finally, you know, he covers this in like three or four issues. Hmm. Yep. or even annual. He could because this ties in. He could have done the same thing, and then it could have covered it in the annual just like this. I can see it now. FF Elswin.
2: <laughs> but see, the <laughs> thing is, he doesn't have the OCD on the FF like he did on the X Men. You know, he he was able to do what he wanted to do on the Fantastic Four. They really gave him the free reign to to do the things he wanted to do. I mean, the only time that he really didn't quite get his way was on the the, the Phoenix storyline. And so, you know, when he left the book, he pretty much said most everything that he wanted to say. And and I mean, you know, you, you sit there and you think about the storylines. Were the storylines in the later issues as compelling as the early issues? This is right smack dab in the middle what we're looking at here, and or maybe a little bit towards uh, the early. Uh, aspect of the age what he was doing he was just like having a blast and he was re- referencing as much from the the lee kirby run and just kind of ignoring all the stuff that had gone on after lee and kirby or you know just uh kirby had left the book right. so he gave you know he took the fantastic four back to basics let's that's, that's you know the 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 what title of the first one he did 232 And he made them, you know, Marvel's first family again. And, you know, here he is just right in the middle of it. And we we get this little story, which is, I mean, just a very tiny fly speck area in the middle of the countryside. And, you know, it's just greatness. Love
1: it. Well, I think you hit on the head, Brian, that he is having fun. This seems like, and, and throughout most of his run on FF, he seemed like he was just having fun. He was kind of in his element and he could do what he wanted to and he was just having a blast with it. So I think that that shows uh, in this book and his reverence for, you know, the, the Silver Age.
3: Yeah, and this book is <clears throat> not terribly expensive even now. If you wanted to track down a nice copy, it's a couple bucks. The Canadian
2: uh, but... copy is like 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah. The Canadian variant is like
3: 10 yeah. bucks. I'm like, what yeah. the heck? Uh, I guess it
2: just didn't print as many.
3: Right. Um, so, you know, as I mentioned earlier, is a nice one-and-done story. I enjoy it. Like I said, I got out of the back issue bins, you know, decades ago for 50 cents and enjoyed that's it a then. Yeah, that's a bargain. <laughs> yep.
1: All right. Where's Professor yeah. Allen? <laughs> well, I don't think any of the burn, any of the, his FF run are terribly expensive uh, that I can think of. I see him in bins a lot. I don't think there are any... Yeah, no, I think that they hitting, really you,
3: you know obviously as we've attested to, you know, I mean he was at the height of his game, you know, during the mid to late 70s and and into the 80s deep and, and into the early 90s. So I I don't think that they these lacked from you know, you know printing. You know, there's there's lots of I'm
1: sure there's plenty
3: plenty of these. Yeah. There are a lot of them and he stretched
0: for what 5 years over 60 issues. I mean, no wonder you're seeing a lot of them in the, in the back issues or in the quarter bin boxes. Because uh, there's a lot to draw from.
3: Yeah.
1: And what's funny is when I see them in the cheap bins, even though I have them, I'm tempted to buy them because you yes. want to buy them and give them to somebody else. Yes. I did I did that for a while. A, a guy, um, my boss, had uh, his kid was kind of getting into comics. He was 9 or 10. And if I found really cheap, especially burn stuff or like age-appropriate stuff, I'd pick it up. And I'd given to him say so here let me read these just like, you know just kind of just you know spread the greatness. Yeah, I've done that too. Hmm.
2: Well, I think we've done done our bit on this. I hope we've given everybody something to to chew on there, and maybe you've gone back and read this, and probably you know been inspired to go back and start reading Burns Run Over Again. I would recommend um, if you do go back before he became the writer and take a look at some of the earlier stuff that he did, because there's some really great storylines in there. And then, of course, uh, was it 220, where he actually did the writing and art, the uh, red cover issue?
0: Yeah, sounds, I remember right. that cover, and was always tempted to pick it up, but it was in the middle of something that wasn't very tasty. I was delighted to see, one, you know, 232, Back to the Basics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I thought that was going to be a one-shot, so I didn't pick it up initially, or maybe I did. But it's like once I realized, "Ooh, this is ongoing." If I hadn't bought them right off the rack, I was I was in for the long haul. Yeah, if you look time. at
2: if you look at those books that he did before um, he took over the book, you'll see that the the art is more in line with the style that went before. And so Reed is thicker, more full-bodied, muscular kind of guy. He doesn't have that scientist uh, look to him. And, you know, all, all the characters are just the stock looks for them for the, for the day. And um, then when uh, Byrne takes over, he immediately changes the, the appearance to more fit what, you know, what they should be for the characters that they are. Reed being the absent-minded professor. Um, but, I mean, still, the the art on those earlier ones are, are really good. But, of course, it is John Byrne and Joe Sinnott. And, you know, what, what I said about my thoughts on, on Sinnott earlier. Sinnott kept the the books constant, much like Bob Layton kept Iron Man, you know, within its particular look. Sinnott did that same here, like Jim Mooney with Spider-Man. Um, you, you know, they, they, they had the Marvel House style and there was nothing more apparent about it than the books of this age uh, before Byrne took over as artist and writer and he was able to to take his steps out. Unfortunately, it led to other guys who their models of the character were so far off you didn't recognize them halfway. And I'm talking more like how Spi- uh, Todd McFarlane handled Spider-Man and the characters there because you don't recognize Mary Jane or... Or you know the others, and same thing with the with his Hulk characters, Rick Jones, Clay Quartermain, Betty Ross, uh, who just um, went because off model,
1: yeah, Mc, McFarland Well, McFarlane had such a, a distinct style that didn't really right.
3: <clears throat> yeah, I can't, I can't I can't get on that bandwagon with you, Brian, because that that was in my formative comic years. So
2: well, uh, don't don't get me wrong. I enjoyed reading those books. But when I go back and read them now and see how different they are from everything else, it's just kind of jarring.
3: He was ahead of his time. He was an innovator.
2: I, I think, well, I can't say he was ahead of, ahead of his time or behind at times. I think he was perfect for the 90s.
1: McFarland Yeah. I mean, well, I will give him this. He he created, and almost everybody aped it after that. He created the the way Spider Man's webbing yes. came out. He gave that kind of intricate and this, and, instead of just drawing. And
2: Spider Man's poses were never more dynamic than when Tom McFarlane was doing it. I I grant that. I grant everything. I just didn't care for the 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 way he took. You know, Mary Jane became a, a lingerie model for him. And she didn't, wow. and and she had porn star hair rather than, <laughs> you know. Seriously, look at her. Her hair looks like it used three cans of Aquanet, you know. But hey, that's just me. Again, my opinion. That's all. It, it does. Is. I, I was
1: will, I, will, I will say this. I was a big fan of McFarlane, and when I would go back and look at it, now it doesn't. It's like seeing a movie you fell in love with as a kid and then you watch it later like well it's good it's not as great as i thought it was so um, yeah it it, it's a little different but uh, i never felt that way with burn i always thought burn was you know
2: yeah but if you want to see where the differences are go back and look at the those early runs and like the 210s um you know when they're aging and and everything and john's trying yeah in the Sphinx story. Yeah. And you, you look at that his Fantastic Four, the way he draws them there, and then just look at 232 and it just go like 10 issues at a jump. And you can see just, you know, all the changes Burn makes and to me, they're changes for the better. And then you, you look well, at other artists' yeah. interpretation and you see that it's after that that other artists really start to take their their liberties with the character designs. So I don't know if that means Kirk was, uh, excuse me, Byrne was responsible. I don't know why I said Kirk there. Right <laughs> but I, I don't I, I don't know if, if, if Byrne was responsible for it, but it looked like he was the trailblazer in it. Though his changes, in, in my opinion, were for the better. I can't say that yeah. all the others
1: were. And I agree. I think it just became, it lessened. And I don't know if it, if that was Burns doing, but it seemed to be like towards the end of the 80s that artists were allowed to kind of not stick so much with the house style or with the previous style, but they could, you know, Mike McFarlane, uh, had, you had know, Eric Larson, he had a really unique style. Um, guys like that that would, could do, break away from the mold and... And not necessarily have to mimic everything yep. that came before him. Mark so, Silvestri, uh, Jim
3: Lee. Yeah, kind of the end of right. the mid to late '80s into the '90s, uh, art artists were driving book sales. Um, you know, right?
1: And that's that's what. was certainly with Image, uh, sorry to cut you out there, David. But yeah. yeah, Image was art, was art driven. But I think, Marvel uh, too.
3: Uh, Marvel too. When Jim Lee came on oh, yeah. X Men, right? X Men exploded, and then that spun off into his own. You know, renumbered X Men number one. Yeah. Still one of the highest comic well, books of all time.
1: Well, I think artists always were pretty, pretty much. It wasn't until maybe the late nineties, the two thousands, where suddenly the writer was elevated, mm-hmm. and it was more the writer's book, and the artists were more revolving. Well, it it's like, because well, the, so the, the pendulum know. always swings, right? So yeah, it swung yeah, all the way to far. the
3: artists, right, and then it swung all the way to the writing and. You know, you can see part part of that exhaustion kicking in in the late 90s, early 2000s books. Well, in fact, we just, right, we covered the the Burn books, uh, the two Spider-Man issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Wonder you
2: know, Woman was from that same era, wasn't it? In that, mm-hmm. Close to.
3: Yeah, and, you know, you can feel a little art fatigue, you know, setting in there. I think people started to realize, again, I, I, that's when I was starting to get out of comics, because... There's only, I mean, looking at the art is great, but I'm a big story person too. And if you can't, you know, keep my brain engaged on a, a riveting uh, story or, or at least something that keeps me interested, I'm not going to hang around no matter how nice the book looks.
1: Yeah. yeah. And if you're paying 350 a book and you can read it in five minutes, you're like, okay, now what? I mean, what's the. Yeah.
0: Well, Are they I pay I... five bucks
2: now?
1: No, somewhere
2: $3.99. some places. But uh, I think that, again, I think we've um, covered everything we need to. And uh, just, um, you know, again, I can't gush any more about this book than I have. I really enjoyed it. I'm glad we were able to uh, cover it. And, you know, this was a a last-minute change for us because we were originally going to cover today Superman 22 and, you know, Byrne's last issue on that series. And... uh, because we wanted to include scott gardner in the conversation uh we decided to hold off and we'll be doing that one next week if, if uh, all works out but uh you know I'll, my my final thought here is just you know i really enjoyed reading this one again makes me want to go back and read the entire run um and uh maybe even go back to alpha flight and give it another spin
1: I think it's a good one and done. Mm -hmm. It doesn't... Like a good annual. It doesn't necessarily rely... You don't have to have read the thing leading up to it. You know, if you're kind of familiar with who the FFR, it gives you enough of a backstory that you can just pick this up and read it and enjoy it.
2: Yes. Yes. I agree. I agree. Anybody else got
1: any last thoughts?
2: Well, it looks like we're good. And uh, anybody want to tell... Our audience, how they can reach us? Because I keep saying it every week and nobody's listening to me, so someone else needs to say
0: it. <laughs> well, you're going on getting... the Facebook page, third degree burn, where a lot of comments are made. Uh, you can send in an email to gotta get burned at is it? Uh, help me out. Is it gmail.com? Gmail. Yep, that's,
2: that's right. G- gotta g- get burned at gmail.com. And I got to say, I really love the the nice little teaser art that Tim put out last night of the um, the scroll with the
0: milk mustache.
1: I thought that was a problem. Yes. Oh, I
0: didn't catch
1: that. that's where it
0: was. I saw it, but I didn't. Uh, yeah, you know. I, 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 I initially
2: said to Tim, maybe we could put a picture of uh, Sean Penn as Harvey Milk. And put oh. the little scroll ribs on his chin, <laughs> but I, I didn't know that anybody would actually get that. So you know,
3: yeah, that's too, that's too deep of a cut.
2: Yeah, that would be too deep of a cut. But this right here, just yeah, that was that was good.
3: Any uh, idea what
0: graphic you're going to go with for the uh, announcement of the episode? Just curious.
1: Uh, yeah, I've already. Oh, I mean what yeah. image? Well, uh, well, if you want to see it, or do you want me to want me to spoil no, it? Or no, no, I just no, want to well, I can wait. I was just curious if you okay. settled on it. Yeah, I, I've gotten where I'm kind of doing the artwork a little ahead of time because I'll edit this one today, and that way it'll Good. it's ready. Uh, it's it, yep. it, it speeds it speeds things up. Yeah,
3: uh, and if you're listening all the way to the very end here, please co- yeah. <laughs> Well, please please come over to the Facebook group. We're all nice guys and and gals in there. Well, most if, of us. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh,
1: we keep getting we keep getting more and more members. I think we're up to uh, 192 members. 193
2: and uh 193. yeah and we've been you know more stuff is getting posted in there right now that's really really interesting. Did you guys see my little thing from Fantastic 4 293? Mhm. Mm-hmm. And I mean that that was yeah. just always one of those funny moments where you know Johnny says hey, you know Dr. Jim can make a time bomb out of two aspirin and an old radio <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, it Reads like a, a bomb, maybe, but he'd need a full bottle of aspirin to synthesize enough TNT. And that right there just kills me every
1: time I read it. That's right. Ray, that's Ray that Richards. Richards. That's absolutely Richards.
2: <laughs> I've always been trying to find a way to work that into a normal conversation, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> the statement, not the not the issue. <laughs>
1: yeah, not not bomb making, no,
2: right? No, 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 Heck no. no.
1: Heck.
2: <laughs> but hey. Anyway.
1: All right, well, who wants to take us out?
2: I keep doing it, so let someone else.
1: And I all keep right,
0: this up. has been the third-degree burn episode that has concentrated on Fantastic Four Annual number seventeen. We appreciate your being here, and want to say thanks to all our guests, including, in no particular order, uh, John Hyatt, uh, Tim, uh, Brian. Um, say good night, Gracie. David, say good <laughs> night. Good night. Good night. And I'm Kirk Greenfield.
3: Good night. Good night. Oh, man, I sure could use a cold drink.
1: Look what's coming down the road. Well, I'll be. Ice cold refreshments, coming right up. Oh, boy, a new chocolate. Hope you brought along. I know plenty of good
3: Borden's milk. Right, thirsty, eh? I'm always thirsty for good Borden's milk. And I can tell you why.
0: Because Borden's gives you the sweetest Freshest, best-tasted milk that you ever poured into a glass. Fun to drink any time. Right, Joey? Mm Mm-hmm. And with sandwiches, cookies, any kind of chow, there's just nothing tastes so
1: good as
0: good Borden's
1: milk.
3: Pete's right, boys and girls. Borden's is the good
2: milk. It's the only milk I drink.
1: Me too. Why don't you ask your mom to get you Borden's milk? It's good.
4: Just wanna watch the world burn.